Welcome to LTG Ectoplasm, your home for Spirit Tribal and Magic the Gathering. On this episode, I'm going to give you my predictions for Kamigawa Neon Destiny. Also, tons and tons of magic news. And then finally, there was a spirit spoiled, and I want to discuss it. It's a loaded potato. So, ladies and gentlemen, are you curious? I hope so. So it's time to get this episode started, shall we? Let's go. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining me on this episode. I am your host, Dwight, a.k.a. DeBlanco a medium that wears an extra extra large you can reach out to me on twitter at mtg ectoplasm or you can email me directly at mtg ectoplasm at gmail.com let me know how am i doing am i doing a good job a bad job or i shouldn't quit my day job and then finally mtg ectoplasm.com where i put the latest and greatest episodes up there and if you want to donate uh or subscribe you can do that there. Uh, we're updating that as we go. We're actually going to create a merchandising store soon. So I hope you guys are ready to get your uh, MTG ectoplasm stuff, you know, a little coffee mug or a T-shirt or something. But that's coming uh, very, very soon. Uh, I want to sit there and thank the Ravishing Renata because we are updating equipment, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. We ordered a new computer, so a computer's coming in. So, yay, we may be going live on stream i hope you're excited i hope you're jovial i hope you're giddy because i know it's about damn time right so before i begin this episode as i do every single week every single episode i ask you kindly wherever you are streaming this podcast do me a favor there's a follow a like a subscribe button hit it for me not charging you a dime okay not charging you anything we're not doing bartering I'm just asking you kindly, please hit that follow, like, subscribe button. It just lets you know when the latest, greatest episodes get posted. And also keeps me posted on uh, who's listening around the world. Because the thousands and thousands of you are listening, and I humbly appreciate it. And while you're doing that, tell your friends and family or the people that you play Magic the Gathering, that, hey, there's this guy in New Jersey. He makes pretty good content makes me you know it makes me chuckle maybe not a little bit a little bit but good this is the point share sharing is caring now with that being said ladies and gentlemen it is now time for segment number one numero uno and it's about me talking about my predictions of kamagawa neon destiny now, I've been playing Magic. For those who, know, who haven't been listening, I've been playing Magic since, uh, let's say, about 1998 to 1999, just uh, at the tail end of the Urza block. I started, uh, my, my first box that I ever bought was technically a Mercadian Mass, so what an utter nightmare that was. But I want to take you back to the days of Kamigawa. Well, Kamigawa came out in 2004 through 2005. It was the 10th block of Magic the Gathering. Now, this block consisted of Champions of Kamigawa, the Betrayers of Kamigawa, and the Saviors of Kamigawa. It was a, a, 
a Japanese theme block that was extraordinary. It was a battle, a war between uh, the living and non-living, meaning the spirits. Spirits were everywhere. Spirits were every other color, every color, shall I say. And they weren't known as, well, they were spirit subtype, but they were kami. I, I, I'm assuming that kami uh, means something like either a god or a spirit or something like that in Japanese. I'm Forgive me, I'm not fluent. So uh, please forgive me. But in the set, it was a EDH, or shall I say, commander's dream. The reason why I say that is legendary creatures were a dime a dozen. It was ridiculous. Every creature was a brand new legendary creature. It was like, you get a legendary creature, and you get a legendary creature, and everybody gets a legendary creature. It was amazing. What sucked, or let me not say really sucked, it just, the power level of the set wasn't up to snuff, and some of the mechanics were lackluster. So let me remind you of some of these mechanics. I'm just going to just go over the brief names. The first one was Bushido. Then came Channel Epic ninjutsu which everybody's a bit, seems to be a big fan of especially in uh, commander and, and some people in, in pop art no you know I, keep, I have my eye on you guys there was offering there was soul shift splice sweep flip arcane and shrine now the last two you're like huh well arcane was a subtype of an instant or sorcery and then shrine was a subtype of enchantments now, splice was an, an ability that you could add on to an instant or sorcery as, as an additional cost. Like an additional cost, it was like a kicker, but the kicker was in your hand. It was a part of a card. It was really unique. Now, as I said, this the set was not. It was. I'm not going to say underpowered, but it was just truly pedestrian but there were certain key cards that really has stood out and just just made you go holy crap there were certain lands that were just amazing uh i should have wrote them down uh but i didn't but i'm going to give you some of the cards spells that were absolutely amazing gifts ungiven sensei's divining top umazawa's jite azusa Lost but seeking, pithing needle, and of of course everyone's favorite card to do these broken combos, Kiki Jiki, Mirror Breaker. So you know there 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 were great cards in here. Uh there there are lands in here that I like I like I wish I would have. There was one where you you tap tap it and like I think you paid like one or two, and the spell could not be countered amazing i know there was one land that like uh, merfolk players love to use and i, I can't believe i, I it is, i'm forgetting that you tap a blue and you return it back to your hand it, amazing cards absolutely absolutely amazing cards but it was truly not a very popular set even uh mark rosewater will come out and tell you uh he was the head designer and mm, 
which actually surprised me that we're actually returning back to Kamagawa. You have to consider, ladies and gentlemen, how many times have we returned to Ravnica? How many times have we returned, uh, shall I say, back to Innistrad? We're now in the presence of Innistrad right now. And then uh, Zendikar, right? We've returned there multiple times. Me personally, I love Lunawar. Uh, I mean, not Lunawar, uh, Lorwyn. When are we going to return back to Lorwyn? Love those little Kithkin. But now we're returning back years, 17 years later. And now after seven, for uh, 17 years, it's 2,000 years in the future of Kamigawa. So what we expect to see? Well, I expect to see the same thing. Legendary creatures come alive. And guess what? We, for once, we're going to actually get one, I'd say between one to five common legendary creatures. Something we haven't seen before. But I'm going to say we're going to have between one to five legendary commons. We will see humans and snakes take over the plane and spirits are slowly disappearing from this world. And why? It's because the the ongoing the, the the huge battle that they had years ago during the Kamagawa block and people are no longer honoring the spirits. Uh what I will say is the honor and showing face are still a thing, but uh, only a few people are honoring the spirits. I want to get into that cuz there's a a mechanic that I think they're going to we're going to see again. And for those who are familiar, you're going, is he going there? And yes, I'm going there. So let me start with the mechanics. We're going to see, obviously, ninjutsu come back. No answers about about it. I'm predicting here, ninjutsu will be back. The next one from the original Kamigawa block that I'm going to see is like I said, remember those who want to remember the good old days and honor some of these spirits. We're going to see offering. One offering was, is that you had to sacrifice a particular creature type and then you had to pay a subset of mana to pay a higher level of spell. So say, for example, you had, for example, a, let's say a three power, like a three mana goblin. You had to sacrifice that goblin with the three mana, and there was a spell that was seven, so you had to pay the four additional mana to play that spell. That's, you know, offering. I believe we're going to get offering back. Now, new mechanics, okay, that I expect to see, because this is Neon Destiny, and what is, what is Neon? Technology, bright lights, Big cities, we're going to see the return of energy. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, return of energy. We saw it last time in Kaladesh. In Kaladesh, they were using what? They were using the Aether. This time, they may be using spirit powder. Spirit power. But uh, who knows? Let's see what happens. But I'm saying the return of energy. Also, because this is 2,000 2000 years in the future, we're going to see vehicles, and that means the crew mechanic is back. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to see vehicles and crew. So those are my predictions for 
Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. What are your thoughts? Am I right? Am I wrong? Am I full of it? Well, obviously I'm full of it because I don't know what's coming up, but <laughs> let's see what happens. So reach out to me at mtgectoplasm at gmail.com or mtgectoplasm at Twitter and tell me your thoughts. Personally, I, I, I would like to see where they go with this. And uh, I don't think we're going to see a lot of spirits because I think spirits are dying off. I think they're slow. They're going to disappear. We You got to consider 2021 was a poor, it was the year of the spirit, but very poor spirits. And the reason why I say that is because we had Keldheim. Keldheim had tons of spirits. Then we had Strixhaven, which had more spirits. Then we had Modern Horizons 2, which, no, I'll keep that nameless. D&D, we had one or two spirits, yay. Then Innistrad, Midnight Hunting, we have spirits with Disturb, yay. Now we're in Crimson, Vow, Innistrad, with more spirits with Disturb, yay. But let's hope, let's let's pray, let's see what happens in Kamagawa Neon Dynasty. And for those going, oh, do I, don't be like that with the Crimson Vow. Hey, you know, anything's possible. There was a card spoiled earlier today, which I will get to. And uh, I like it. Just maybe not for where you think it should be. So now we're going to, before we go into segment number two, there were some dates speaking of Crimson Vow, that were released to the ju- us, the general public. On November 11th, Crimson Vow is going to be released on Arena. I hope you're ready. I hope you're excited because, who knows, I'd like to see, you know, how some of these cards play out. The same day, Crimson Vow's set trailer gets released. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I find this a little weird. The reason why I say I find this a little weird is because we usually see this uh, set trailer come out the same day that Wanty does this uh, pre-preview where they do this ongoing, I guess, theatrical set uh, release, you know, and they did it earlier, like, like last week, like, oh, it's a wedding and the girl's a vampire and she wants to suck on your neck and oh no, she's not a real vampire, but the other girl's a vampire and blah, 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 yada, yada. Why wasn't that released then? It should have been released with that pre, pre, pre thing that you were doing that pre-show. Not the day that you're going to launch it on arena. Hmm. But I'm going to enjoy it anyways. Cause I always enjoy the artwork, the music and the creativity that Watsy has. November 12th through the 18th, it's pre-release. So that means, ladies and gentlemen, guess what? You're going to go to your LGS and support your LGS and pick up pre-release packs and play Crimson Vow and enjoy yourself like a good human. And if you're not a good human, then at least be, you know, a nice, caring vampire and don't drain drain anybody's blood. And if you're a werewolf, yeah, don't, don't be a jerk, okay? And if you're a spirit, we understand you're disturbed and yeah, a little slut. Then November 19th, Crimson Vow is released everywhere. Big box stores, medium box stores, small box stores, and LGSs. Yay! Who knows? Uh, you know, I hope my mother had bought me Crimson Vow. If she's a nice mom, well, let's not get all crazy. But let's just hope my mom get you know, bought me a pair or two. You know. 
I'm a grown man, but I can always hope my mommy buys me a pack or two. So those are the special dates that I wanted to bring up before segment number two. Now, entering segment number two, there's magic news. Magic news. A lot of magic news. A lot of craziness that happened. I'm going to begin in MTGO world. What happens is, what happens, shall I say, is that Fairy Mistriant has been temporarily been banned that's right ladies and gentlemen the little one one flyer has been banned in popper and the reason why is due to a bug it causes the fairy miscreant to trigger on its own as much as people who enjoy fairy miscreant wish that could happen no no, 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 that can't happen. It's not allowed. It's not, it doesn't say it on the the card. So there's a bug. So what they're going to end up doing is fix it on November 10th. So from today's date, from today, which is the 3rd to the 10th, so you're talking about a week, you're not going to be able to play your Fairy Miscreant. But on November 10th, when Crimson Vow gets released, yay, you get to play your Fairy Miscreant. So... For those who are in Popper who enjoy Popper, like myself, I, I enjoy playing uh, a mono black Ponza deck. I don't know why I enjoy that deck so much. I like making people miserable, I guess. One of my favorite decks. But uh, if you're in Popper, there you go. In other news, Watsy screwed up big time. There's a card that's getting released in Crimson Vow. And it's Blood Vial Purveyor. Let me read it to you. It's too generic, too black. It's a vampire 5-6. Now, mind you, four mana for a 5-6 that's a flying trampler. Wow. Wow. Let me keep on reading. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, that player creates a blood token. Now, for those who are unfamiliar with blood token, uh, what a blood token is, it's an artifact with one generic mana, you tap it, discard a card, sacrifice the artifact, and draw a card. So it's like Clue. The only difference is you're not paying two mana. You're just paying one mana and discarding a card. I think it's pretty good for if you have madness cards, just saying. But this is whenever your opponent casts a spell, they get a blood vial or a blood token. But it continues. This is where the shenanigans is. Why Watsy screwed up. Whenever blood vial uh, purveyor attacks, it gets plus one plus O oh for each blood token defender defending player controls. Now, for the layman, you're going to be going, okay, what's so broken about that? Well, there was a fragment or a partial statement at the end of the sentence that was not added that Watsi should have. It, goes, it should go away at the end of the turn. So that means every turn you attack, it gets plus one, plus O. Oh. So, for example, say your opponent paid two spells on that turn now they have two blood tokens 
right? So when you attack, it becomes a 7-6. And then the following turn, you attack. It's a 7-6. Now it becomes a 9-6, depending if they played more spells and they have blood tokens on them. So technically, that 7-6, if they played two more spells for Ish and Giggles, right? It's no longer a 7-6. It's now a uh, 7-6. Uh, shoot, uh, plus four. It's 11-6. 11-6. Uh, it's ridiculous. That's, 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 that's disgusting. So this morning, Mark Rosewater just said, came out and said, this thing has to be errated. And this is his exact statement that he says. Because I've been getting this question all morning, Bloodline Purveyor will be getting an errata that the plus one plus O bonus only lasts until end of turn. So that word that that blood vial purveyor continue keeps that plus one plus O? No, no more. As soon as the set is released, it gets errated. So for those who bought this ahead of time, uh trying to get ahead of the curve for having a broken and busted card, hate the bit be the one to bust your bubble but they busted your bubble before the set was released but if not geez this card is stupid good stupid good now comes segment number three numero tres and there was a spirit spirit released today and it was kind of funny i was watching nikachu MTG doing his morning uh, coffee and MTG. And for some reason, something said, Dwight, as much as you're enjoying the show, go go check out to see anything got spoiled today for spirits, for the Spirit Squad. And I went through, and there was a card. And I couldn't understand it, understand it at all because it's in Japanese. Uh, and and if, God forbid, I think it's Japanese writing. And if it isn't, please forgive me because I'm ignorant to the alphabet that's being used here. But it's called, the, spell, the card itself, the creature, is called Dream Chain Spirit. Let me read it for you. It's one generic and two blue. And it's a 3-1 flying spirit. 3-1. I love the power. The weakness, the toughness is its weakness. And it reads, at the beginning of your combat, choose one. Okay, what are we choosing? It says tap target creature. Okay, that doesn't seem bad at the beginning of combat. Or target creature doesn't untap its next untap step. Now, let me just tell you. Let me give you my thoughts on this. I think it's a good card. Is it a great card? No. There's several problems with this card. Now, I'm going to give you what I love about it. What I love about it is that it reminds me of Nimbus of Frost. It. it for those who don't know, I said it on my first episode, my first ever episode of MTG Ectoplasm back on January 6th of 2020. That card is my favorite spirit of all time. 
It may not be in the spirit deck, but hands down, it is one of my favorite creatures of all time when it comes to Magic the Gathering. What it does is whenever you play an instant or sorcery, it taps a creature and it doesn't untap at the beginning of their upkeep phase. Plus it has prowess. And then it's a flying 3-3 creature. It's an amazing creature. I love it. But because of the fact that it's four mana, it will never, ever, ever see play in modern. And because it's back in the day, I don't think anybody's ever going to use it in Pioneer either. But even though I love this creature, I love the ability of tapping something and it doesn't untap. Love that. That's something that Dream Chain, Dream Chain Spirit has. Love that ability. But this is the problem. This is, this is the issue besides it having a tiny butt, the one, the toughness of one. The problem with this card for modern is that it's a three-mana creature. Now, if you would have told me it's a one-mana creature and it was a 1-1, one, one, I would have said home run. Home run. Brilliant. For a 1-1 one, one flying creature that has this ability where you can tap a creature or it uh, a creature doesn't untap at the beginning of its untap step, brilliant. I would have said bravo, Watsi. It's exactly what we needed at the one spot, a one-mana creature spot, even though we need card draw i would have been happy with this i would have taken that all day even without flash over spectral sailor but it's at the three mana spot and in modern what are we using in three modern three modern uh three mana spot we're using drug school captain we're using uh uh jesus spell queller we're also using skyclave apparition that three mana spot is heavy. It's loaded. It's, it's a loaded potato. We can't fit more three. We need stuff on the lower end. We need it at the one. And unfortunately, it, it the fact that, you know, at the beginning of untap, you know, sorry, at the beginning of combat phase, it does this. I'm sorry. You lose me. Noble Guest, uh, uh, Noble Guest Herald works perfectly. Has flash, flying, it comes in, tap target creature. That means you can do it on your opponent's turn. Shacklegeist has the ability where you can tap, uh, you know, tap two spirits. And guess what? It taps out your opponent and you can do it on their turn. This, you only do it on your turn. I'm sorry. It, it doesn't fit our need in modern. What am I going to do? The guy, the, an opponent sits there and all of a sudden plays Emrakul on his turn. Well, uh, okay, I, I guess I, I, I sacrifice six permanents, and before he, you know, before he claims his, uh, when he claims his next turn, and before he claims his uh, attack phase, guess what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to play Nubblegast Herald real quick, real to tap it down or use the shackle guys with my two spirits to make sure that damn thing doesn't untap. I can't do that with dream, uh, dream chain spirit. Spirits is a interactive deck where I, I can do something on their turn. Why well, I'm going to waste my time doing it on my turn. So in modern, this card is an epic fail. 
but I'll tell you where it succeeds, where where it can fit. It fits in pioneer and it fits in historic. It may not be the car they may out and out want or desire, but it does fit what they do. Because what what does spirits really do in uh, historic? It taps things down. It may not be the one that you want at that time, but it with the big three bot, you know, power, it's going to get through. The only problem you got to worry about is if they got a little puny one one flyer, if they're going to ping it for one, that's going to suck. And in Pioneer, why? What's so bad about adding this in your deck? We, well, technically, we got to see what's in there. I, you know, I don't want to. Maybe we got to look into it better in Pioneer. But I know in Historic, it fits good. Now, where I will say in Pioneer, you know what? Let me say Mono Blue Snowbuild. Me thinking about it right now. Mono Blue Snowbuild in Pioneer, I think this has a home. I think it's perfect for there. I just built that deck. I started playtesting it uh, like earlier this week uh, because I, I'm now playing uh, with my crew and now that I'm going to start going out to events again, uh, I want to start playing more Pioneer. I think this card fits. I think there's there's a spot in Pioneer for this. In Modern, no. Historic, yeah. In Pioneer, uh, maybe. In Mono Blue Snowbuild, I, 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 you know, I, I'm pretty sure. I don't see why you would not want to add it in Bant. Azorius, mm, that one's iffy. But those are my thoughts on Dream uh, Dream Chain Spirit. I don't even like the name. Dream Chain Spirit. Now, it's pretty funny. There was actually an old card. Let me bring it up here. It actually came out during Dark Ascension. Nibblus of the Urn, one generic and one white. Flying, when Nibblus of the Urn attacks, you may tap target creature. It's a 1-1. One, one. Now, if they would have gave me this as a one-mana creature, oh, I would have been so thrilled with this. Why can't we have this as a 1-1? One, one? Mm. That's a two-mana creature, so I, I can't say nothing. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's my thought of Dream Chain Spirit. Tell me what you think. Am I wrong? Am I am I just not looking at this card properly? Am I undervaluing it like Ascendant Spirit? Like I did, you know, the beginning of the year. I think it I think it has a home, but let's see. I would like to hear from you. You know what? I, I definitely would love to hear from you guys. Because, you, you you know, you guys, do, you know, sometimes you, you lay it into me hard. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you lay it into me hard. And other ones, you're like, you know what? You're right. I like it, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that's where I like. That's what I love about this commun uh, spirit community. There's so much diversity of thought where we can communicate with one another and share our feelings with it and say, hey, yeah, or mm, nah, maybe not. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening to this episode. Remember to share this with your friends and family and uh, hit that follow, like, subscribe button. And the next time 
you're playing an opponent and you're kicking their ass, make sure they say, that's Bushi. See you guys next time. I'm out of here. <laughs>